um, I, I want to talk today about kind of like everything that's going on, um, but more specifically, you know, our, our, the gaze that we're supposed to have on God and um, just a reminder of who God is even in a time like this. So let, let's just uh, pray for a second before I get into it. Father God, thank you so much for gathering us here on the phone this morning. God, we love you and we appreciate you. We adore you because you're such a good God. There is none like you. God, thank you that you give us the opportunity to do this. We pray today, God, asking that you speak to us, Lord. Let us hear from you, Lord, whatever it is that you want our spirits to know. We pray that in everything that we do, it will be pleasing to you, Lord, that we can continue to make ourselves, O oh God, close to you and make ourselves able to hear from you, God, and to be used by you. We pray and ask that any distractions that the enemy has on its way, Lord God, we pray that you will just remove them. Help us to stay focused on you, Father God, here this morning on this line. And we ask that in the end, you will have the glory. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So, kind of going on into the actual message, um, I just want to talk today about God's goodness. Um, and again, it kind of it relates to the testimony, it relates to what Stacy was talking about, and it relates even to today. Uh, I know that <clears throat> for us, we're young, and you know we're not. You know, we're not all the way there in the faith in terms of really knowing or understanding God, why maybe he does the things that he does. But today I think what I hope to remind everybody is that God is still good. Like, in the midst of everything that's happening in the world right now, God is still so incredibly good. I mean, naturally, it's easy for us as young people because we don't, we're not too familiar with God, and that's 100% our fault, guys. We're not so familiar with God, and so we kind of just look at what happens in the world and we just kind of assume, like, wow, like, how could a loving God allow such things to happen? You know, how could we, how could we even get to this place where innocent people are just dying? Like, they catch this thing and they're just dropping dead. And, um, I, I want you to understand a couple of things about God's wrath and about God's goodness because it's all embedded in the essence of who God is and who, and who his character is. And ultimately, that's, that he's good, that he is a loving God, even in the midst of these type of things. Um, so I, I'll pull from a couple of different scriptures, um, but I, I want us to just kind of go through step by step um, and understand why, like why there are certain things that God tells us not to do, um, and as a result, how that leads to his wrath. I know that last week we talked a little bit about repentance and resisting temptation, and we talked about kind of the spiritual reasons for that, you know, not doing those sort of things because God loves us, he instructed us not to, um, but also there are more practical reasons, right, why God tells us not to do certain things, not to say certain things, not to behave a certain way. And I think that everything that we're dealing with right now is a prime example of that. So when you see, you know, bad things happening to people, you see bad things happening in the world, it's not 
know, God was sitting on his throne, he was bored one day, <clears throat> or even, it's not even that God was sitting on his throne, and he just, like, had this uncontrollable anger, and he just was, like, boom, speed all this out. A lot of it, guys, is, is, is kind of like input-output, right? Whatever you do yields a reaction, right? It has a consequence to it. So God has all these things that he's instructed us not to do, um, but it goes beyond the spiritual. A lot of it is just very practical. So it's not a surprise to, I'm sure, everybody on the phone that scientists, medical experts, during the COVID-19 to fast, uh, right? And if you look in the book of Leviticus, the Bible makes it very clear, like hosts of animals and rodents that we shouldn't be eating, right? And uh, a lot of medical experts believe that, you know, at what they call wet markets, right, in this city of China, um, there's poor sanitation. And what happens is, you know, people take these animals, right, these detestable animals is what the Bible calls them. I mean, we're talking like snakes and like raccoons and, again, bats, right? They're taking them and they're slaughtering them on site and they're selling them to people and then they just go about their business. No sanitation standards, none of that. And these people in turn in the city eat them. And so that is how, I guess, how the world sees the origins of this thing to have started. There is scripture in the Old Testament, right, that instructs us of the things we should and shouldn't be eating. Why do we think that by living a life that we want, right, completely ignoring what God has instructed, like why do we think that by doing so we're not going to keep consequences? The Bible says God is a loving God. The Bible says God himself is love. So God is telling us, instructing us how to live, what to do, what not to do. Why would we not take heed to that, right? And so the issue is when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they had everything at their disposal, right? They, they, they could eat whatever they want, right? But the one food that God instructed them not to eat, Okay, and so when they fell into that temptation and ate the food, all of a sudden they became exposed to good and evil, right? And so the free will became a part of them in the sense that they they were put in a position where not only were they able to choose what they wanted, but now they could see right from wrong, okay? And even in the midst of that, God still throughout history and throughout scripture like, we're so gracious enough to give us, like, these life hacks, right? Like, how to stay alive. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is how you will live long, right? God goes through and he gives us all these instructions and all these teachings on how to live. And then we turn around and we, we just succumb to our flesh. We succumb to temptation. And we choose not to be obedient to his word. And then we get mad at God or we try to characterize him as this angry, spiteful God who has this horrible wrath on mankind and, and think that that's okay. Like, that, that, that's absolutely not okay. And I think today I just want you guys to remember and I want you to understand 
that God has set these things in place, not because he was bored one day and was like, well, you know, these people look like they're having too much fun. They look like they're they're enjoying life too much. So let me just go rain on their parade and just drop some, some you know, some commandments for them, right? Some laws for them to abide by. That's not what it is, right? God is our creator. He manufactured us, right? And in order for us to understand how to live the most optimum life, we have to go to the creator. We have to go to the manufacturer. Say, like, what is my purpose? How am I supposed to do this? How do I walk? Lead me. Instruct me. And God does that in his word and his scripture. So this disease that we see spreading so rapidly, right, in some regard is the result of the disobedience of God. And so there are two things that happen, right, when, when something like this goes on. And I use this example all the time, the, the example of my niece and the parents. Says, I just want you to go see um, my, my nieces and my nephews yesterday. And they're grown. They're big now. They're like seven, eight, and nine. So, so they're grown. But when my niece was a lot younger, you know, I used the story of, you know, her and the pair of scissors, right? And, you know, here I am. I'm an adult. I know the functionality of these scissors. And she's playing with them, not understanding or knowing that these scissors can and will cut her. So here's, here's how God works. In some cases, he does what I did, which is I saw her playing with the scissors, and I yanked them out of her hand very abruptly. And she started crying. She grew fit. She was really upset. I didn't care because I know what the use and the function of those scissors are. I knew that they could hurt you, so I'm going to take them from you. And we, and we do that as human beings. We, we get upset with God when we feel like certain things um, are taken away from us or we see God moving in our lives that we don't agree with, right? We throw tantrums, why is this happening to me? You know, but that is that is one way that God shows his love for us because ultimately it's for our protection. But the other way the other, that God moves through us or he tries to teach us is he does what I did not do, which is, leaving the scissors in my niece's hand, right? And then watching her cut herself, right? I believe that this is what's going on right now, right? Sometimes God will give us up to our own sins. He'll give us up to our hardened heart. He will allow us to do the things that he's instructed us not to do to make a point, right? And I think that with everything happening in the world right now, God is making a point. And this is something that will be a reminder to everybody for a really, really long time because it's continuing to, to kill hundreds and thousands of people across the world, right? So, so where, where do you see yourself? Like, where, where do you see yourself and where do you want to be? Do you want to be the person that is being disobedient to God and then blaming God when he doesn't remove the scissors from your hands and you get cut, do, do you want to be that person? Because now you're just, at that point, you're sort of wallowing up in in things that, that you can't even make sense of. You can't even make sense of, and instead of blaming your disobedience, you'd rather decide to blame God. And the sad and most tragic thing about this is these are the very things that turn people away from the faith. They turn people away from God. 
and and you know I have a lot of friends, even people that I I grew up with in Presby, the church. I have a lot of friends who I will talk to now, and they'll say, "Yeah, no, I I'm not a Christian anymore, or I don't go to church anymore. I don't I don't do these things anymore." And it's because they have experienced these type of things. They've experienced the hurt, and they've experienced the calamity in their lives not knowing or understanding that God uses those things to teach us. He chastises us so that we can see that, oh, wow, like this, this is really like what I'm not supposed to be doing. For some people, it's the only way to learn. Now, if I were to have left the scissors in my niece's hand, do you think she would have ever picked up a pair of scissors again and played with them the way she did? Absolutely not. Sometimes those things are there to teach us a lesson. But trust me, you don't want to get there. You don't want to get to that point because by then, all of the things that happen as a result will make you almost lose faith. And now you're, you're, you're hanging on with your life to the little faith that you have in God because you didn't want to be obedient to him in the first place. Sin is like a disease that spreads and it is highly contagious because the temptation is real. It's very, very real. And believe it or not, the people that you surround yourself with, the people that you call your friends, those very same people could be infected, quote unquote, with sin, right? They could be living a life that fails to meet the standard of Christ. So here you are trying to pursue God, you're trying to better your relationship with God, but every time you get around these group of friends, you always find yourself kind of just joining in with them, right? Whether it's them doing drugs or, you know, being sexually active, gossip, like all those really bad things that God instructs us not to do. You find yourself just doing it whenever you're around those people. And then whenever you're by yourself, you're fine, right? You're, you're able to, you know, pray every once in a while or read your Bible and, and you feel good about yourself. But when you get around certain people, you, you start to fall in sin. It's not a coincidence. Sin is like an infectious disease. And when we don't take heed to God's word, we will have to deal with the consequences of our sin, right? God tells us to live a certain way to protect us to protect the very valuable life that he created. Don't you know that God has a purpose and a plan for you? Don't you know that when you were created, you were not a mistake? Like you weren't just like a random, arbitrary thing that just randomly popped up on this planet. God knew you when you were in the womb. God had all these great, amazing plans and ideas for your life. And what you do when you sin or what you do when you turn your back from the word of God is you spit on that plan that God has for your life. You just, you completely disrespect everything that God has in store for you because everything that we do that, that is not favorable or pleasing to God is meant to separate us from that plan. The enemy knows that more than anybody else. When you, when you engage in bad practices, like let's say you're really into like drugs, even weed. Like, like people love to say that like, you know, smoking cigarettes is, is 
worse than weed, and so they justify that, right, by smoking weed, right? So yeah, maybe weed is not going to kill you, but do you know all the other things that weed does to your mind? Like, what it does to your psyche? Like, nobody can try to justify that, right? And you're telling me that if God is going to use you to do great things to impart nations, even if it's something as little as getting on the phone and leading a discussion like this, to be able to articulate yourself and to think and reason, like, do you think that by smoking and turning your brain into mush, you're going to be able to fulfill that purpose? Absolutely not. The same goes with alcohol. Like, every now and again, you know, yes, you just turn water into wine. Alcohol itself is not a bad thing. But you get in the habit of going to these parties and drinking yourself silly. Like, what is that for? Just some blackout and then what? What did you know? Do you not know what you're doing to your colon? Like, do you not know what you're doing to your internal organs? You're slowly killing yourself. And it's the most, like, backwards thing I've ever seen. Sex is another thing. Premarital sex. Like, God is not, like, he's not trying to, like, brain on anybody's parade, right? God knows that sex is beautiful thing he knows that it's a wonderful thing but there's a reason why he's instructed us to do that at a certain time there are consequences for people who just go out and they just sleep around there are consequences and it's you know when like for instance if you were to get pregnant right before your time before you got married you know having a baby is a beautiful thing but god wants you to, to have all of that when you're supposed to, like in the right time, right? And so when you have premarital sex, it's usually not during the right time. You're not ready for a child. You're not responsible enough. Things happen. You could get pregnant. But with all the other things that are around that, right? All the sexually transmitted diseases that you could get and not even know, right? A lot of people like to talk about, oh, you know, you could have this coronavirus and not have symptoms at all. Well, guess what? You could have a lot of sexually transmitted diseases right now and not know it at all. Some of these symptoms lie dormant in your body and you'd never know it. And you'd be so afraid you wouldn't even think to go to a clinic and get checked out. Like, why do yourself the harm of having to worry about all that? But all you have to do is be patient. Like, wait on God's timing. And then when you meet the right person, in the right context, under marriage, like, sex is all the sex you want in the world. In fact, one of the things that married people will tell you, I remember Uncle Albert told me this at one point, is like, sex is like so over, or so overrated, right? Because by the time you have sex, or by the time you get married, you're like, you can have sex whenever you want, and you think that you'd be having sex all the time, but you really don't, right? It's just one of those things that when you're young, you get curious and you want to like, but trust me. It's 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 better at the right time. Anger, same thing. Pride, gossip. Now, now these are characteristics and instructions from God that they're not. Um, when you do these things, you don't see like a direct result, like when you smoke weed or something, like your brain turns into mush, or uh, you know, smoking alcohol like affecting your kidneys. Um, so, with these other some of these other instructions from God. You know, you don't you don't quite see right visibly the consequences from that. But I think based on some of the prior ones, we can understand that if God is telling us to refrain from certain things, like to refrain from gossip, to refrain from pride, to refrain from anger, that 
there's a reason behind that. We may, may not be able to see what it's doing to us physically, but think about what it's doing to you spiritually. Think about what it's, what it's doing for, for you as a woman of God or as a man of God to be engaged in those sort of things, right? Someone that people maybe look up to. And here you are be acting and behaving in a way that is completely contrary to the word of God. And these are just some examples, guys, that I want you to just keep in mind, right? Like, again, God is not trying to inhibit our ability to have a good life or a fun life. You can still have a really good time and be a believer of God. And the reason why I say that is because in this type of moment right now, in, in the midst of all this calamity and chaos and fear, like the most people who are at peace right now are Christians. Because we're not blaming God for this. We're not like, oh my goodness, like why is this happening? God, you're such a terrible God. Like how could you allow this to happen? Number one, we know our word. We know scripture. We know that these sort of things are going to happen. So when we see it happening, it doesn't, it doesn't startle us, right? We just see it as more of a fulfillment of prophecy, and it reminds us that Christ is coming, and that becomes like a rest of assurance, right? Because if you are holding on to this world, if you're clinging on to this world, and this is it for you, like, I, I, I'm sorry, but that, that's, that's not going to end well for you. This, this cannot be the final destination that you hold on to. As Christians and as believers, we look forward to Christ's coming. We look forward to the end times only because it's going to be the beginning of the end, right? That just means, and I, I, at some point I'm sure we'll have a teaching segment on just like the end times. Just really understanding like what's going to happen and why you really want to be a Christian and you don't want to get left here when the rapture comes because the quote-unquote end times is the beginning of the end. And that's just the beginning of a whole lot of things that non-Christians or even Christians who are lukewarm are going to have to endure before Christ actually comes and does the final judgment. So you're not going to want to be around this world during that time, okay? And, and in this present moment, you don't want to cling on to this world. This is not it for us. This is not home. This is not our final destination. We are passing through and we are preparing our spirits, we are preparing our hearts for this greater glory, this greater destination that God has for us, okay? We are young, I get it. We want to have fun, we want to want to live our lives, we want to do all these things. That's, that's, that's understandable. God knows that. And, and that is why Jesus Christ was so gracious to come and die for our sins. He's giving us a second chance and an opportunity to get this right, guys, to get it right, to live right. You might think it's difficult, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Like, the more you get closer to God, the more you pray. I'm not talking like your traditional prayer, getting on your hands and knees, putting your, your you know, getting on your, your, your knees and putting your hands together and doing, no, I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. I'm talking about like your spirit connecting with the spirit of God and being in constant communication to where you could even be driving or cooking or having a conversation with somebody and your spirit is still hearing from God. Your spirit is still connected to God, right? 
And that is the opportunity that we have now as believers because Christ came and died for us. Understand that the times that we live in right now, right, in this, this moment of, like, this coronavirus, right? Yes, God, God knows what's happening. God sees what's happening. And this very well could be God's wrath, right? But also just could be a consequence of our disobedience, right? And so even in the Old Testament, we see that God, there's, there's all these perfect deaths and things that happen, right? And we think that God's wrath is scary. I want you to know and understand that no matter how scary it may look, no matter how bad it looks, God's wrath is just, right? God's wrath, like, sort of counterbalances sin. God is so righteous and so good that, that he can't stand for this sort of thing to happen, right? And so his wrath, kind of like with the story of Noah, his wrath is almost like his way of just balancing out that sin, canceling that sin, and almost like starting new, right? I guarantee you after this wave of like coronavirus nonsense, you're not going to see very many people eating that, right? These wet uh, shops um, or markets in Wuhan, China, I, I guarantee you that they're going to start cleaning up their practices, right? Making sure that they get things right. And even if they don't, right? Even if they don't, the mercy of God is still upon us all. And when we see that good things happen, right? The Bible says that the sun rises on both the good and the bad. We have to understand that just as so, when bad things happen, it, it, it's visibly seen by both the bad and the good. So as believers, we're here in a moment, in a time like this, and we see all the bad that's happening. Well, we have to remain encouraged. We have to remember that God is good. We have to remember that God is faithful because he's, God is he's, he's trying to work with us. You know, he, he's trying to deal with a very sinful generation of people. He's trying to deal with a very sinful dispensation of people. And I want you to be encouraged that God loves you and God is faithful. He's good. And because he's good, he's faithful. And all you need to do, all you need to do, really, not that hard. <clears throat> Number one, pray. Like establish a relationship with your father, with your maker who loves you. Doesn't want to see anything happen to you, right? And the things that happen to you that are bad, it's not, just, it's not God directly harming you. It's you giving into your own sin, the very things he told you not to do. It's you holding on to those pair of scissors that God said, let go, and you're not using them right, right? It's you doing that to yourself. Don't blame God, right? Although God sees it happening, and he could make it all end, that, that violates the whole essence of free will. God gave you the choice, right? Because choosing him over sin is choosing to love God. If you are forcing people to love you without giving the op option of them not to love you, then you'll never really know if the love is genuine or sincere. God wants us to come to him in security and, and know that in this time, he will hold you and he will protect you and your family, and the church, 
And as long as we can remain obedient to him, understand that his word is powerful weapon, a tool, right? If we heed to it, then we will be saved, right? God will remove us, not include us in the wrath that comes. So the last bit is just from a scripture that I want us to read. I'm going to close here. It's in the book of Romans, okay? And it's Romans chapter 2. I'm just going to read this, Romans chapter 2. I'm going to read a few verses of it and then kind of goes from there. I'll give everybody a moment to get to Romans chapter 2. God's righteous judgment. Therefore, any one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself. Since you, the judge, do the same thing. We know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on truth. Do you really think any of you who judges those who do such things that do that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you despise the riches of his kingdom, strength, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your hardness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath, and God's righteous judgment is revealed. Verse 6, you will repay each one according to his work. I'm going to end it there, and again, just remind everybody and encourage everybody to remember that, number one, God is good. The things that we see happening around us that are, quote, bad, right, that may be characterized as God's judgment is intended to be righteous, right? It sounds like a paradox, righteous judgment, but God's wrath is righteous because he is God. We may not understand the things that he does, why he does it. But what we can understand is that he loves us and he, he's given us these laws, he's given us these instructions so that we can escape his wrath, right? We can't escape his judgment, but in the moment of judgment, God will be able to applaud us for all the good things that he's done. For those of us who are remaining in the faith and continuing to press on, even in a time like this. So please be encouraged know that God loves you. And if you ever find yourself in a situation where, you know, you, you, you really tremble in fear because of the things that's going on, like, pray. I promise you a prayer to God. Tell God, I'm, I'm kind of scared. I'm scared about what's going to happen. I'm scared about, you know, the end of the world. I'm just, whatever you're afraid about, just tell God that. And, and really pray for God to change your heart and to lead you and to, and to help you to be obedient to his word. And watch how the love of God will all of a sudden bring peace to your heart. It will drive out the fear and it will continue to encourage you to stay fortified in the faith. Amen. Yeah.